Did you guys watch the uh, convention last night? Sounds like our country's in a lot of trouble. My God. Yeah, there was a lot of fear on the TV last night, man. It sounds like our country's going to shit. And we need uh, President Trump to be the president of the United States to fix everything. Oh, that's right. He's already the president. Triggered. <laughs> politics suck. I hate politics. First sip of coffee, nice. What's up, Jim Lamb? What's up, Brett? Hey, Jennifer, what's going on? A lot of the regulars popping into the room. I like that. I found some audio of me, Carl, and Vic Henley doing a little radio. It was the day Phil Collins came in. And I was like, man, I want to listen to this. So I started listening to the uh, the show, and I started thinking, you know what? This has never been on my podcast, so I started editing this thing. They seem so alive when you're listening to them in crystal clear audio like that. They were just so full of life. And you would think that would make me happy, but uh, uh, I'm still having a really, really tough time with that. I kind of was laughing along with the audio a bit, and then I was just so fucking bummed that both those guys are gone, Carl and Vic. I just cannot believe it still. And then I was thinking to myself... As I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to be in a studio again. And I was kind of okay with that. And my thought process on that is really, really simple. For many, many years, I hated doing radio. I hated doing the Opie and Anthony show for many reasons. We don't have to get into that now. But I wasn't having fun. And uh, then I met uh, Vic Henley and then Carl, and of course I knew Sherrod for years, and we all got together and we started doing some radio. And then we had the opportunity to, to do an actual uh, show that was just ours. And the show was just killing. It was crushing. You could feel the momentum every day. The phones uh, were lit up. People were excited. People were meeting us outside the building. We did a few comedy shows that were sold out, and everything was moving in the right direction, and I was really, really having fun with radio again. And then uh, Sirius XM didn't see it that way, and you know they gave me the pipe at first, but then it turned out technically that uh, they just let me go. They ended up paying every penny of my uh, contract, and I appreciate that to this day that Sirius XM saw it my way. And when they let me go, I was so bummed out because I knew I was onto something. I knew I was onto something huge with these guys. Would it have been as big as Opie and Anthony? I don't know, but I'm, I, I know this. It was a really good show. We had a lot of chemistry and a lot of people were digging it. So when they yanked uh, that show off the air, I went into a pretty bad depression. And that's why, for the most part, no one heard from me for about 10 to 11 months. I was just so bummed. I'm like, come on, man. I I fought so hard to get to this point where I enjoy radio again, and I'm hanging out with guys that I really, really enjoy. I loved being on the radio with those guys, but I loved even more just hanging out with those guys, and it was all just kind of ripped uh, away from me. So I took the uh, almost year off, and then I just started to... Uh, podcast with those guys and then you know the rest you know and then fucking Carl dies on me and then Vic dies on me and I'm thinking to myself 
as I was listening to this audio, man, I don't think I don't think I'm going back into a, a studio ever again. I mean, I'll continue doing this and I'll continue my podcast, but I think I'm done. I think I'm done with that world. People are like, why don't you just rebuild it again? And I'm like, I I I was doing just that. I built the Opie and Anthony show. I built this show with me, Carl, and Vic, and Sherrod, and certainly Chris Stefano was in there, and a few others. And then that was yanked away, and I'm like, I, I don't know if I want to build it again. Never say never, obviously, in this world, but I don't know. I don't know, man. Montana checking in. Jimbo skilling. What's going on, buddy? I mean, this makes me happy. Thank you. He says, do what makes you happy. This absolutely makes me happy. I can honestly say that I sacrificed happiness for many years. Not woe is me. I, I'm not, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for, for me, but I think we all do this. This is why I talk about this stuff. And I sacrificed happiness for uh, money and fame, man. That's why I, uh, I think I needed to find um, spirituality. And you say spirituality, and people are like, yeah, yuck. And when I took that year off after uh, the Sirius XM thing, I was on this beach day after day just fishing um, and being with my family and really doing some deep thinking and, uh, you know, threw some of that spirituality into my life. And it, it helped me. Look at that. See, boo! <laughs> I understand. I used to hate when other people would talk about this. That's why I talk about it in very basic, broad stroke uh, terms. You know, basic stuff like love over hate, the power of now, uh, knocking down your ego, trying to figure out what your true self is, stuff like that. That's all. And I don't mention the Lord or God because those people used to drive me nuts when I was growing up. I thought they were weirdos. (sighs) Are you guys going to homeschool? Uh, Ariella, what's up, Ariella? Well... The schools are making that choice. I was talking to a lot of my friends on the beach. We were supposed to go back to New York City. I think the only reason I still live in New York City is because of the kids. They're used to New York City. They got their friends and they got their schools. And um, turns out they were going to open up school September, what was it, like 10th or so. And then they realized that it, they're not ready. So they delayed it to something like the first week in October. What's going to happen is they're going to open up a lot of these schools. The first kid is going to come down with the sniffles. And then the school's, you know, going to feel like they have to do the right thing. And they're going to have to shut everything down for a couple weeks. And I think that's just going to go on and on. Because if you are a parent, you know, as soon as the fall hits, your kids start getting sicker a lot more. And then the flu season kicks in. So I don't know how they have kids sick. And they don't have the, the, the right testing. We need, we need to get the results from the coronavirus testing immediately. That'll help a lot of this. But until then, every time a kid gets sick, they got to assume that he might have the coronavirus. And then they got to do the right thing and shut the school down. So I predict, wow, what just jumped? Oh, that might have been a bird uh, dive bombing. Um, I think the decision's going to be made for a lot of us. I think they're just going to end up shutting down the school until at least January hoping that some of these drugs come about that, you know, help you deal with the coronavirus better. As soon as we get that drug where you don't die from this thing, then, you know, that's the game changer. We're in a no-win situation right now. 
I was talking to a cop friend of mine out here. And, <laughs> and he's taking it seriously, but he's frustrated because he said that, like, his... His wife's like, well, I haven't seen my parents in a while, and I haven't seen my friends. I'm going to go see them, and and we're going to get together, but we're going to socialize. I say this because I think a lot of you guys can relate to this. And so they get together, and he goes, you know, they, they're doing the right thing at first, and they're six feet apart, and they're all wearing their masks, but it's hot. It's summer. So, you know, slowly but surely, the masks start dipping down so they can breathe a little better. Next thing you know, the mask, uh, masks are around their necks, and now they're just throwing it all away. And, and, and this guy's like, it's so frustrating to me. But then he also said, I don't know if I necessarily disagree with this. He goes, look, man, you know, it's all about protecting the older generation. And I got to say, they live their lives. And I wanted to get mad right away, you know, because we all have older people in our lives. And certainly this coronavirus has taken a lot, taken out a lot of older people. But um, I was thinking about it. And I go, man, if my dad was alive, he would be one of these guys that would absolutely say that. He would go, Greg, I lived my life. I need to see your kids. I need to see you. You come over here right now and not worry about me. And I know his, uh, his VFW uh, friends would think the same way, man. Those guys were all fighting cancer when I used to visit my dad at the VFW hall. We'd have beers. And they would just joke about all the cancer they were fighting and had. And they weren't scared to die at all. And they also didn't give a fuck about political correctness. They didn't give a fuck about cancel culture. Nothing triggered these guys. They had Polish guys in there, Irish guys, Italian guys, black guys, and you name it. And the whole time when I would hang out with them, they would just bust each other's balls, making the most outrageous jokes toward each other. And everyone would just laugh their balls off. And whoever got hit... That guy would turn around and fight back with another joke that was twice as funny as the one that he got hit with. And it was unbelievable to see. It was so refreshing. So refreshing to see people that weren't triggered by anything. We're trying to find uh, other things to watch. Not going to lie, man. For the longest time, the news was on in our house 24 hours a day. And uh, I would go around the dial. I really would. I would go MSNBC, CNN, and Fox, and I would just keep rotating over and over again. And then I'm like, this is the same goddamn horse shit. Fox thinks Trump is the greatest thing to ever enter politics. And then you got MSNBC basically telling you every day that we finally got him. <laughs> and none of those things are true. You don't got Trump. That's why they call him, I think, the Teflon Don, man. He's had so many scandals, and none of them have stuck to the point where they could yank him out of office. And then you got Fox saying that he's the greatest thing ever. It's just exhausting. So we started moving on to other things. Watch The View. God, why would I watch The View with that yapping? Yep, 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 yep. And yep, 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 yep. Although I respect The View, and I'll tell you why. Because this is the thing I've said over the years. Say you watch MSNBC, no one really represents the right when you're watching that show. So it's just, it's just one uh, political side uh, over and over again just talking about how much Trump sucks. And then you go to Fox and no one represents uh, the left more or less. 
And I always said that uh, I think it would be amazing if some of these cable news channels would balance out their their coverage and, and, and have people on that would just debate and go at each other. And that's exactly what happens on The View. And that's why I do respect The View. Because you got people in there just arguing every fucking morning. I mean, they yap a little bit, right? It's a little, it's a little yappy. But at least they're uh, confronting each other and debating. You know, you watch uh, one of these other channels and you're like, well, I would like to hear from the other side now. So to hear from the other side, I actually have to change the channel. And they're completely separate because they're pussies. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold on, Max. I hate politicians. They're as fake as women's orgasms with me. <laughs> you got to try harder. Curl that finger, you dick. <laughs> don't, don't, don't be so lazy, Max. You got to, you know, you got to, and then you got to take the finger, and if you, if you can get two in, and then you kind of curl it a little, and what are you doing? Are you just passing out? Are you having drunk sex? You got to hit that G spot, Shannon Johnson says. That's right. DJ Diddles. Look for the... <laughs> was that this person oh brian what's up buddy look for the <laughs> look for the rough patch <laughs> oh that's gonna make me laugh all day bravo oh my doggy hi doggy and my dog went right through the screen yesterday i'm like oh that's a hundred dollars thank you it was getting a little dark, and usually I, I keep the screen door open just enough to get his big, giant head through because the dog we got from this breeder in North Carolina, oh, it's not going to be that big of a dog. It's going to be maybe 18 to 19 inches off the ground, maybe 45 pounds. It's already that. This dog is going to be huge. So, uh, you know, I keep the screen door open just enough so he can go in and out. And it was getting dark last night. The kids uh, um, brought him for a walk, and then they got back up to the house. And this thing wanted to get inside and just ran full speed right into the screen. Rip! (laughs) $100. Thank you very much. Yeah, Jennifer knows. My dog has plowed through my screen like four times. What? Adrian Driscoll, $100 for the screen is better than $2,400 for for dental work for your dog? Man, I was talking to my neighbor a couple houses down. He said his dog ate a bathing suit recently, and I forgot what the vet bill was, but it was not pretty. They had to cut him wide open to get the bathing suit out of this dog. I know it was a couple thousand dollars minimum. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, Adrian, that's... that is insane. That sucks. Why dental work? We didn't even notice our dog's teeth growing up. I think you gave him, what, a milk bone or something? Right? For the old timers? Oh, his breath smells a little bit. Give him a milk bone. Now you know you got to brush your, your, your dog's teeth? What? <laughs> Where are we, man? They got special things for your dog's teeth and you got to brush them? My dog barely got a bath. We would just hose him down in the backyard every once in a while. Oh, no, you got to bathe your dog once or twice a week. Who are you? Who are you people? My dogs growing up were very, very happy, and they weren't pampered at all. Dogs don't live long enough to be brushing their teeth every day. 
They sh- the teeth should last what fifteen years, right? Um, we're uh, we're crate training our puppy, and supposedly you got to do it for like a year. So it's yapping and whining and barking at five thirty in the morning. I got up. It uh, it wandered onto the beach. It took a leak. It took a dump of poo. And then it came back in the house, and I was lazy. It jumped on the couch, and it's been sleeping ever since. And guess what? I've been up. And I've been up. I'm up. How about I go back to sleep? Just get a paper. <laughs> Trained in one week. Somebody was listening. No, I was going to say somebody was listening to uh, past episodes. But if you're an older guy, you just know that was the case. My wife goes, you know, we got to... We got a crate train for at least a year to 18 months. I'm like, what are you talking about? What are these new rules and who made them? I, I think the dogs were perfectly fine just sleeping wherever they wanted in the house or outside. They didn't need a crate. They didn't need a stuffed animal that that you, you warm up a little bit and you put a battery in it so it, it has a, a fake beating heart so it could fall asleep. I'm like, What? Our, our dogs slept in the uh, the vestibule, not on any, like, blankets or towels or any of that crap, just on the cold vestibule floor. Vestibule is a tough word to say early in the morning, and it's a stupid word if you think about it. Who the fuck has a vestibule? Unless you're, like, rich, right? Well, we weren't rich, so why the hell were we calling our mudroom the vestibule? Make sure you put the dog down in the vestibule. Yuck. And it just slept, man. And it was happy. Our dog was happy. We didn't have to crate train it. We didn't have stuffed animals with a beating fake heart. We didn't have chew toy. We had nothing. We had a tennis ball. And like that guy said, a rolled up newspaper. Oh, boy. There are times I want to give it a nice tappity tap, 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 tappity tap, 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 right on the nose. But, uh. But I don't. Of course I don't. You kind of live in this new world. <laughs> yeah, a vestibule is, is a mudroom. Yes, Vinny, of course. We, we couldn't figure out how to call it a mudroom when I was growing up. You know, it was a little space as soon as you got inside the house, and it was very muddy. So why would we look at that and go, let's call it a vestibule? <laughs> I don't know. What's up, Joyce? Chew toys, yeah. Everything's a chew toy to a dog, and, and they understand that, too. You give them all the stuff they could chew on, and they're like, ah, I'm on to ya. I'm on to ya. You bought all this shit, so I don't fucking start chewing on your nice couch and, and chairs and the kids' toys. I'm on to ya. Watch what I do now. How do they fucking know? Probably should have got a girl. I don't know. But I had boy dogs growing up, so I was just used to that. And then I heard, looking around, then I heard the girl dogs. I'm an older gentleman. I didn't realize, oh boy, is this going to sound terrible. I didn't realize that the girl dogs got their periods. (laughs) I had no idea. I, I guess I just didn't think about it. I guess I just thought that because it's a dog... It, I, I, I don't know. I don't even know if I knew dogs got periods. I know that sounds stupid. Of course I knew. But I guess I just didn't think about it. 
And as soon as I, I uh, had that thought in my head, I'm like, yeah, let's get a boy dog. I don't, I don't really feel like cleaning up poo, pee, and period juice. I'm too old for that. Yeah, hey, Lisa. She, she goes, O-M-G-L-O-L, dog periods. Yes, they, they get their period. I, 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 I don't, I, yeah, I guess that's how it works, right? That's how biology works. <laughs> Jennifer, Jesus. I think Jennifer Ferris is the star of this uh, Facebook Live. She said my dogs were happy until they ran out in, into the street. Yeah, we lost. Uh, all right, let me count for you. We lost my brother's uh, black lab. We lost my cat, Velcro, that I picked up in Buffalo before I moved home to my parents' house for a little while. We lost another dog when I was really, really little. Uh, we left the front door open. Um, we lived on a very busy highway. And so that's two dogs, one cat. And I really do believe there was a third dog in there. So three dogs and one cat we lost outside our house. And uh, I never understood why we didn't build fences. We had kind of hedges that were sort of like a barrier. But obviously that wasn't good enough. And every once in a while, one of our dogs or, or a cat would just wander into the road. And get hit by a car. And then, of course, you know, you, you fast forward a whole bunch of years later, 2004, and that's how my dad went. Right in front of our house. Car accident. Because we lived around this crazy curve, man. It was really dangerous. So you would think we would have built a, a fence. Oh, you hear the beep, beep, beep? Yeah. Stupid garbage man. No, I love the garbage man. Jesus. I respect those guys. How do you do your job with the smell? Oh, my goodness. And we talked about that, too. And, and then you got your fellow garbage men like, are you putting Ben Gay under your nose? <laughs> See, I'm too scared to say that word. You're not allowed to say that word anymore, even if you're just trying to have fun with the word. Marky, the smell is horrendous. It's unbelievable, right? I mean, uh, living in New York City, you get that garbage juice right off the, si the sidewalk when you're walking down some of these streets. It's I don't know how anyone deals with that. It's unbelievable. But when I was growing up on Long Island with the seven, eight, nine kids, my mom was always trying to save money. And uh, we burned our own garbage. And the garbage we couldn't burn, we piled up into the, the Volkswagen um, bus without the seats in it. We didn't have seats because it, it fit more people without the seats. True story. And uh, we piled all the garbage in there. And then we would go to the dump. Somewhere in like Colmac, I think, or Dix Hills, trying to go local for the Long Islanders. I'm trying to remember. But you would be driving closer and closer to this, uh, you know, uh, dump. And uh, the smell in the neighborhood before you even got there was so overwhelming. And my dad thought this would be fun for young boys. And, you know, then we, I don't know what the deal was, but I guess you could just if you wanted to bring your own garbage, you were allowed to back in the day. Because I know if, if it cost money, we wouldn't have been doing it. And then we would drive up this hill and the smell was just something you can't even imagine. And we're like, oh my God. And, and then we'd get, we'd get to our location. He would pop the, the back trunk or whatever. And then we would have to unload our, our garbage onto the pile. And for some reason, my dad thought we would enjoy this. <laughs> he was always finding these weird things for us to do to keep us busy, keep us out of our our mom's hair. The other thing he liked uh, to do was he would throw us all into the Volkswagen bus. 
and we we would find some woods and he would because he knew like we were at that age we wanted to play army and stuff he goes look at these woods oh my god why don't you guys you know run around the the hills for a little while enjoy yourself and then he thought he was smarter than us he would go oh by the way while you're up there if you see any rocks you know bring them back to the the volkswagen bus roll them down the hill now we thought we were going to have fun and that was like sort of a side thing but his whole uh, thought process on this was i gotta get rocks to build another rock wall outside the house so it wasn't an an adventure it was you know let's collect more rocks and let's get back to making cement and let's build another wall we had like a triple tier wall outside our house why I, I, I mean I finally figured it out many years later my dad figured out if we build walls and we're making cement all day we're we're staying away from my mom yeah build that wall that's why like when Trump says build that wall I honestly and it's not political I get triggered no more walls for the kid. Oh, boy, do I get triggered. As it brings me right back to me and my brothers making cement in a wheelbarrow. I'd like to show you that I know how to pronounce that word properly because for many years, and I mean many, like maybe only a couple years ago, I realized that it wasn't wheelbarrow. Uh, but we're really, really good at making cement. I can make cement right now if I had to right now we had sand pits that we had to discover on our own outside our house on our hill and it was a deep deep like hole in the ground like we started mining our own sand we found a sand pit and my dad's like yeah that's perfect for cement this thing could have collapsed on us at any at any moment basically i mean it went in like five or six feet and you know the shovel would only go so far so you would have to get your little body in there to try to dig out more more sand to mix with the cement um and i think that's the time my my brother scott got attacked by a swarm of bees i gotta ask him about that story oh the stuttering thing look man i got a soft spot in my in my heart in my soul for stutterers because i'm a bit of a stammerer myself i don't know how i ever got into broadcasting it was the dumbest thing to choose horrible long island accent and and a uh, a stammer <laughs> and i said fuck it let's do this but i explained the stammer already that's because i was breathing in kerosene in the attic in geneseo with my friend buzzy although buzzy's very articulate and he doesn't have a stammer how did he not get a little touch of brain damage from breathing in the kerosene in the attic in geneseo i gotta ask him about that maybe i had an oxygen tank secretly breathing in oxygen when we were under all those comforters not together relax we had two beds in the attic all the ladies though they felt bad for us and they all gave us an extra comforter i i'm here to say i had at least five or six comforters on my bed because even the kerosene uh didn't help with those terrible western new york uh winters with the no insulation in the attic we've talked about this i understand but see i just gave you a little a, a new little piece of that story um i miss going to the bills games add radio brit <laughs> yeah well i'm pretty good at it because <laughs> in my head i know i'll go back to whatever i was talking about i used to call it uh off-roading where all of a sudden i'm on a topic on a topic and then i take a phone call or something happens and i'm like no i gotta go i gotta take this exit for a while but i'm gonna get back on the highway and finish my other thought 
I don't know. I, I feel like I've always been uh, pretty decent at that. So, uh, Bills Mafia. I'm definitely part of Bills Mafia, but I'm old school, man. When I used to go to those games, those parking lots were completely insane as well, but nothing like they are today with, uh, you know, throwing people through the tables and everything. But uh, it was one giant party, man. You found, I don't know if this is the case anymore, but all the houses around there, they had giant yards, and they opened up their yards for parking. So you had nothing to do with the Bills organization. So you would, you would park. I remember this one guy, he would, he would be on um, um, an ATV. And he would just be rocking his uh, his backyard, parking everybody, and it was muddy. And uh, we would just have so much fun. We would get there. Buzzy would wake us up. Okay, all right, now I got too much on my plate here. But I was living in Rochester with uh, with Buzzy. Uh, same guy, yes, that I lived in the attic in uh, Geneseo. We're lifelong friends, and we were roommates in many, many houses including the ghetto of rochester which i think i've told that story over the years but um buzzy did very well he was the first one in our gang that had a real job making real money and he bought a house and i was like fuck man i'll live in your house and i you know i paid him rent obviously and um we would party our asses off saturday night easily two three in the morning in rochester no problem come home and then we had to leave Sunday morning, I think something like at 8 o'clock, to go to the Bills game in Buffalo. And it was a good hour and a half, two-hour ride. About an hour and a half, maybe. And um, I'm babbling today, huh? Fuck, I'm sorry, man. This coffee has just kicked in. And um, I'd be hungover, man. For whatever reason, Buzzy handled the hangover way better than the Opster. And uh, I knew it was time to wake up because Buzzy would get up at six so yes do the math he, he only slept like two or three hours and he would start cranking Springsteen he's a huge Bruce Springsteen fan and he would crank it at as loud as it, it would go and that was that meant it's time to get up and get ready for the bills and I would try to lay in bed for another hour or, or right until the point we were pulling out of the driveway and I'm like oh my god that fuck and then we'd jump in the car and we would rock toward Buffalo, cranking mostly Springsteen because he was obsessed with Springsteen. Then we would get our spot in the parking lot, and uh, the party would begin. And we would start drinking at like 10 in the morning, games at 1. We'd go in, watch the Bills, and then we would hang out in the parking lot afterwards uh, for the 4 o'clock games. Now, this is a long time ago. No one, I mean no one, had little TVs except for Buzzy because he went into... T um, TV as I went into radio. So he had portable TV. So in this parking lot, he would set up a little TV with giant antennas and all sorts of equipment back in the day that no one else had. And we were able to get the four o'clock game in the parking lot while we're still throwing the football around and, and cooking and drinking beers. I'll, I'll never forget that. And everyone would come around to us like, how the fuck are we watching TV in this parking lot? And I know that sounds weird nowadays, but uh, Buzzy figured all that shit out. But anyway, as far as um, the Bills Mafia goes, back in our day, behind one of the goalposts was this giant hill. And if there's some old-timers out there, old Bills fans, they remember this. It was a steep hill. I would say the hill went, uh, I'm trying to remember in my mind, at least 30 to 40 feet up, relatively steep. And right at the bottom was the, was the concrete. These motherfuckers. And I was young, and I did crazy shit like, like pretty much all of us when we were younger, but I wasn't brave enough to do this. They played uh, King of the Hill. 
on this damn thing. So you would start walking up this uh, hill, trying to make it to the top to be king of the hill. And there was only about, there was only space at the top for maybe five guys to be king of the hill. And what would happen, one of the guys on the top of the hill would pick out a target of a, another guy coming up and just full speed start running down the hill and just do an open field tackle on the guy. And both would go tumbling down the hill. And I remember one time we were watching this. It, everyone watched it and everyone would cheer like, holy shit, this is nuts. And I remember one guy got fucking crushed and slammed his head on the concrete slash tar, whatever the surface was, out fucking cold. And everyone was like, oh my God. And they uh, they took him away on a stretcher. And to this day, I don't know what happened to the guy, but it wasn't pretty. Oh my God, they're jumping like crazy. Did anyone else see that? They're moving across the, the screen from right to left. There's a whole school just jumping. Guys, I, I might have to cut this short, man. There's there's some action in the in the ocean today. And I haven't had a striped bass in a long time. I, I want to get one. I haven't gotten a keeper this year. That's 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 not good at all. Wow, they're really jumping. Where were we? See, I care way more about fishing than doing radio. I think maybe that's part of the problem. <laughs> Not that there is a problem. I enjoy what I do. There's a guy fishing to my left right now. I got my eye on him. And if that pole bends, guess what? Bye-bye to the live stream. And I run and get my pole. But I know the, I know the bend, too. It's got to be a certain bend. If you surf cast as much as I have, I could pretty much tell you what kind of fish I got on the line when, when the rod bends. All right, so um, when I surf cast, there's three to four things I catch. Uh, I want the striped bass, and when the striped bass hits, man, your rod goes all the way over, and it's, it's violent, like, bam! And then if you get it like a tip, 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 tip. That's usually one of those son-of-a-bitch sea robins trying to steal your bait. They're bait stealers. And then if you have a bend after a little tap, 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 and it bends a little bit, you're like, oh, sea robin. Oh, spider crabs too, uh, tap, tap, tap. Tommy knows his fishing. That is true. And uh, Spider crabs will, will really trick you into thinking you got a fish. And those guys like to just pick, 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 pick at your, at your clam bellies. Pick, 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 pick. And they're just rock stars, man. And I'll tell you why the spider crab is a rock star. It will be tangled in your line when you get it out of the water. And the hook, it doesn't bite the hook, obviously, because it has just a teeny, teeny mouth. And it, and it, and it uses its, its claws to just pick, 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 pick at your, at your bait. Pick, 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 pick. And it doesn't stop. It's now out of the water, tangled to all fucking hell. It basically needs you for survival. And what does it do? It continues just going pick, 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 pick at your bait. And it just continues eating all the way to the point of you untangling the SOB and throwing it back in the ocean. Bent ro- <laughs> See, this is why I got to read more of the comments. Who, who wrote this? I can't even see. I want to give you credit. Uh, it looks like Ryan. It looks like Ryan West, one of our regulars. He, he writes, uh, bent rods, broken clams, and hooks. Are we talking fishing or bad sex? <laughs> I like that. Oh, you heard that podcast sound? Wayne Boo Atkins. Yeah, the seagulls are hungry. 
They're trying to figure out their next move, man. They're they're insane. The seagulls too. I think I told you the story. I, I was driving, I was driving down the road to to my house and minding my own fucking business, you know, driving really slow. And next thing you know, I hear this fucking whap, really loud sound. Something hit my fucking car. So I look in my uh, my rear view mirror, and I see a seagull now in the the street. Now, I didn't hit the seagull. No, no, my friends, stay with me. And I look through the rearview mirror, and I'm like, what the fuck? That's a seagull, and he's he's eating, a, it looks like a clam or a crab or something. So I stopped, and I walked back. It was a giant clam that was now in the middle of the street, cracked open, and the seagull was, you know, feasting. This motherfucker, these seagulls are sneaky, man. They grab the clams, and then they try to find a hard surface, so they dive bomb and drop these things, and they saw my car, this particular seagull saw my car, and dropped the clam from above, and it smashed into the side of my car, and that's how he was able to break the shell open. I'm like, oh my god, these fuckers don't play. Just check out any parking lot. You'll see just carnage. You'll see, you'll see pieces of crab, lots of shells. All over the parking lot because seagulls, uh, they know that's a good spot and they drop shit from above to, to break it so they could get at it and eat it. Seagulls, evil genius, Lisa says. Yes. And then I know they have attitudes because they'll fly by my house and they'll dive bomb me with poop. I was sitting on this chair that I'm sitting on right now just minding my own business. I was enjoying the puppy and one of my kids were just hanging out. Next thing you know, I just get sprayed by seagull poop. I should have taken a picture of that. And everyone had a good laugh. Oh, they were laughing and laughing at me. <laughs> it was actually really funny. But I, I looked up. I'm like, I think you did that on purpose, you son of a bitch. Who sent you? But, man, you could feel that uh, summer is uh, slipping away. Woke up this morning. It was a little colder. You start hearing more, uh, like, crickets. I don't know. What do, what do I know? I, I think you hear more crickets when the weather gets cooler. That's my theory. I might write a paper on it. I just noticed the crickets all of a sudden, so I'm thinking, oh, that must mean summer's almost over and falls around the corner. Do not come back to New York City. It's a cesspool here. Yeah, man, I know. I think uh, I think we're going to be knocked out of New York City. Um, that just sucks because I made New York City my home, man. I, I first made it my home because I was sick of the commute to New York City from Huntington, Long Island. It was killing me to be in a car a minimum of, uh, what was it, like five hours a day, four to five hours a day. And then I, I cut it down on the Long Island Railroad a little bit, but I couldn't really ride the Long Island Railroad back in the day because of um, the recognition factor. Got recognized so much, it made it tough to ride the Long Island Railroad. So back to the car, and then I was like, you know what, I can't do this anymore. After 9-11, I said, fuck that, and I got a place in New York City. So I was there for my job, and then the job went away. But then at that point, my kids were well-established in their schools and with their friends. And my wife had her thing going on, and uh, so we said, all right, this is our home. And now the coronavirus is uh, making us rethink everything, just like everybody else, though, right? You should have a fake mustache and an eye patch so no one recognized you. <laughs> Rich Butters, what's up, buddy? <laughs> uh, but fame is a weird thing because that certainly doesn't happen anymore. 
I mean, uh, when I was still living in New York, maybe I get I got recognized once or twice a day, maybe. Uh, but back in the heyday of O and A, oh my goodness, it was crazy. But that's what happens with fame. That's why you got to have something else going on in your life. A lot of these public figures, they put too much weight on being famous. And that goes back to working on your true self. Because what do you have when your fame goes away? What do you have when your when uh, your job goes away in general? You know, that's what you got to think about. And a lot of people, when that stuff goes away, they're left with themselves, and they don't like what they see. And that's where you you see a lot of these celebrities get into all sorts of uh, problems because the fame will go away for everybody. Yeah, <laughs> Jennifer again. <laughs> My kids are becoming more and more aware. They know their dad is uh, was famous and is sort of famous, but they don't care. That's what you learn, too. Your kids will wake you the fuck up. They don't care. They care about YouTube and YouTube influencers. If I have to hear about Dan Tedium again, I'm like, oh, fuck that guy. Do you know what I used to do? You know how big I used to be? Fuck that idiot just playing minecraft and he gets millions of views on every single one of his videos oh thank you damien b buzzy your twitter political party responses are too funny thank you i just threw my hands up in the air and and so i'm just going back and forth supporting trump not supporting trump supporting biden not supporting biden depending on uh the tweets that come in for example trump was all about the uh you know the democrats want to take the word God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. And I'm like, well, damn, if the Democrats are trying to uh, take God out of our vocabulary and and threatening a jail sentence, if we say God, then damn, I got to vote for Trump in November. (laughs) Just dumb shit like that. Because you know what? In the end, like I said over the weekend, talking politics on Twitter, I I don't think you could go any lower than that. De Niro... Yeah, man, we talked about De Niro on my Twitter a couple days ago. It's so weird what politics will do to people because, you know, when I was growing up, Robert De Niro was a god. He made so many amazing movies, and let's be fair, he's had a lot of bombs in the last 10, 20 years. De Niro, though, all of a sudden, because he attacks Trump on a daily basis, now people hate his guts when they used to be massive fans of him and his movies. But then they try to say, no, actually, it's because, you know, he hasn't made a a good movie in a long time. So that's actually has influenced my opinion and it has nothing to do with Trump. I don't know if I actually believe that. But, uh, yeah, Sean Hannity, man, I I liked Sean Hannity. He used to call our radio show a bunch. He called me personally a a few times. We fucked up really bad early on in our um, our comeback. And Sean Hannity actually gave me really good advice. He called me, and he had he had nothing to gain from this. But as a fellow broadcaster, he called me, and he goes, uh, Greg, what the hell are you doing? You sat out almost two and a half years. You're finally back. Why, why are you guys blowing it up? Don't be stupid. And I was pretty, I was a, pretty amazed that he called me and, and talked to me about that. He was basically saying, just chill the fuck out, man. You're really talented. You and Anthony have great chemistry. You got a great show. And I listened to him. I talked to him for about a half hour or so, and I kind of changed my tune after that. So I do have a soft spot for Hannity in my, in my heart, but I'm surprised at the person he has become because that guy on TV, 
And I did his show uh, a million years ago. Made fun of Alan Combs. But uh, did I ever tell you that story? Me and Anthony were on uh, Hannity and Combs, it was called at the time. And it was really Sean Hannity's show. And they, they had Hall- Alan Combs on, who's a, who was, excuse me, he's no longer with us. He was a very talented broadcaster. But on that TV show, he was kind of, uh, you know, an afterthought. It was really Hannity's show. And then every once in a while, Combs would pipe in to give a little opinion on the other side. And so me and Anthony are on the show. And Hannity's really controlling the action. And then out of nowhere, Alan Combs, like, popped in and said something. And I just... Uh, I looked at Alan Combs and said something like, oh, my God, he talks. Everyone started laughing, and Alan Combs looked right through me, right through my soul. He was so pissed off. <laughs> On his old stations in his day part. Right. You know, have you know, Sitting David, in his chair, by the way. In his exact chair? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what they told us. We got rid of it, though. You did get rid of it. Yeah. You do. No, no, no. I didn't want to actually sit in his chair. Yeah. We so don't like for, money. <laughs> but is, is, it, is it just, it's not personal, you don't care, you're just moving on, but you do have a lot of fun with it. On, you talk about it a yeah. lot on the air. Well, I don't know the guy personally. Yeah, I never met him. I've heard See, from people. I think people. you like him. He's a, Even he you a nice said, guy. you know, I, I met the guy, he seemed yeah. nice enough. Never met him personally. On a business basis, I won't use the language. Uh, but you guys are now in the cat part. Did you ever? Yeah, it's his turn. Yeah, we actually take turns on the show. You know how that works? Uh, do you, uh, it's tough having a partner, isn't it? I mean, oh, it's got to drive you nuts. About it. I mean, you got to be thinking, I can do this by myself. Uh, oh, please. Every right. day. Especially when they're liberal. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what? I think I can relate to how you're feeling. I think I get I think I kind of get it. Uh, I can't help it. But anyway, um, but... He would call our show, and he famously said that he was a moderate on our, our radio show. And uh, his his politics weren't that bad back in the day. I mean, obviously, he was a Republican. He was trying to tell me he was a moderate. But he certainly was uh, a little more balanced. Now this guy is just rah, rah, you know, Trump can't do anything wrong. And he, he's just very, very different. That's all I'll say. I really don't know that guy. But he's making a shitload of money, man. Being part of the Trump train. Oh, the wind's kicking in, huh? Fuck. I think we did it, though. Right, guys? Oh, one more thing about Biden, just to try to keep it fair. Like, they're trying to say that he's part of the radical left. I, that just makes me laugh. He's more of a Republican than a, a, a radical lefty. That's just ridiculous that they're trying to... Ah, whatever. Who gives a fuck? Who cares? If Trump gets four more years, so be it. I'll have fun making fun of him. If if Biden's the president, it'll be a little more boring. But maybe then we can move on to doing other things with our lives instead of obsessing and watching Trump every day as he tries to go viral. Yesterday he went viral talking about sharks. Talking about sharks and mosquitoes. I'm not a Trump guy, but God is he entertaining. Biden's talking about trying to bring the whole country together. And, and Trump's basically talking about how much he hates uh, sharks. And you know that guy hasn't been in the ocean and probably, uh, who knows? I bet she was never in the ocean. So why does he hate sharks? He's not among them. I go in that ocean every day and I, in the back of my head, I'm wondering if there's a shark nearby. And then my neighbor was saying, you can put sharks to sleep. He goes, did you see Tyson on Shark Week? And supposedly they put a, uh, 
a shark to sleep and Tyson was you know terrified I mean that that didn't look good to me but after my neighbor was talking about it I I think I want to go uh search out the videos oh my god they jumped again what is out there you know what that has to be a school of bunker where they just uh they swim in giant pods because they're pretty much helpless and they're the food of the ocean for so many other fish yep time to fish you got that right wayne boo atkins talk to you guys soon Boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-boo-